Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. One of the most important things you can do during a job search is show the hiring manager what you'll bring to their company. Employers look for candidates who will add value to their organization, and one of the hiring manager's goals is to make sure that the people they hire are top performers who will succeed in the position. You can make that easier for them by demonstrating why you're the most qualified person for the job throughout each stage of your job search. Your resume and the way you prepare for an interview can speak volumes about how you've added value in your previous positions and allows you to show why you'd be the perfect person for the job. In today's episode, I'm joined by Amy West, a Navy veteran and Orion recruiter, to discuss how to show a prospective employer the value you've added in your previous positions, how to make your resume stand out, as well as the importance of a good elevator pitch. If you have any questions about this interview or topics for a future podcast, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hey, Amy, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Megan, thanks for having me back. Yeah, of course, you've been on a few times. You're like a seasoned podcaster now. (laughs) I guess so. Okay, so we've got a great topic today that I think is relevant to anybody. So before we get into that, can you go ahead and tell me a little bit about your background and then your career here? Some of our candidates might be familiar with you anyway, but for those of them that have not talked to you yet. I served on active duty in the Navy for five years. I was a gas turbine electrician, and in 2018, I got off of active duty and came to Orion as a technical recruiter, and I've been here since. Awesome. So as a recruiter, I'm sure part of your unofficial job title is a coach. You're constantly coaching people on how they can succeed throughout their whole job search. So whether that's the interview process or crafting their resume to stand out. But I think one of the things that stands out the most to you that you're constantly trying to communicate to candidates is how can they effectively communicate the value that they've added in a previous position? So whether that's a position that they had in the military or outside the military. So why do you think it's so important to be able to clearly communicate that to a potential employer? Well, when you're interviewing for a position, you're essentially selling yourself to that potential employer. So you're trying to basically convince them that you're going to be adding value to their organization. And in order to do that, you need to sort of be able to quantify the value that you've added somewhere else before to make a convincing argument on why they should hire you and give you a great offer. Yeah, definitely. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail because it's almost twofold. You have to learn how to sell yourself before you even get that face to face with the with the hiring manager or the recruiter. So, you know, when we're looking at resumes, what are some ways that people can sell themselves on their resume? So, for instance, how can they define the success that they've had in previous positions, especially in the military? Because a lot of times a civilian hiring manager isn't going to understand that. So the the pre-planning part of the resume writing is so important. So you want to sit down and think about how success was defined in your previous positions before you even start writing your resume. So how basically where's your yardstick and what are you measuring success as? And then think about what you did to effectively measure it. So if you were a teacher, your success could have been measured in part by your students' grades and test scores. So make sure you know what success looked like in each position that you've held, and then make a list of the ways that you have achieved success in those areas, and use that as your roadmap to write your resume. 
Do you find that this is an area that a lot of job seekers struggle with, um, especially if if they're looking at their work history and saying, how can I quantify this? Like, for instance, I know in my role, I would have a hard time doing that. I'm sure in some roles in the military, especially, it is easier than others. Well, you it is difficult to quantify success, and it's probably one of the most common issues that I hear from job seekers and candidates that I'm working with is, well, I just don't know how to write my resume. And you'll have someone with great skills and abilities, great attitude, but actually putting a person on a piece of paper is hard. Resume writing is hard. So once you have your list of accomplishments, um, try to see if you can associate numbers with them. Um, like find quantifiable ways to list them. For, so, for example, they don't necessarily have to relate to profitability, but they could refer to time saves or cost deferred or a way that a process was improved, showing how you affected something in a positive way. Mm -hmm. For military candidates specifically, I know that part of the military culture and leadership development is that you have a lot of reviews and feedback from people who are superior to you. So I would think that that might come into play here where you could think back on some of those reviews and specific examples that would help you um, quantify that success in your resume too. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think evals are like the perfect starting point for military candidates, especially as you're coming off of active duty. You know, it, it's like work smarter, not harder. You already have recommendations and your supervisors have given you a stack of paperwork outlining your accomplishments and your successes. So grab your evals, gather them up, get a highlighter and go through and highlight the bullet points that you feel are most reflective of the value that you've added to the organization and change the wording around a little bit. And there you have resume bullets that meet all the wickets. They're quantifiable mm -hmm. results. They're well-written. Use the resources that you have available to you. You don't have to start from scratch. Yeah, that's definitely good. I like that you said, yeah, work smarter, not harder, because that's something that we, we could all keep in mind, especially with the way the job market is today. Usually candidates are applying for, you know, job after job after job. So it's easier to kind of get your resume um, tailored and crafted and make sure you're hitting all of those key points if you have a starting point already. Definitely. Um, so another thing I think is helpful is to list awards on your resume. And that seems like an obvious thing. Of course you would do that. But I've come to find out that a lot of civilian employers do not necessarily know what an award means and what the significance of that is. Is that something that you encourage candidates to, um, I guess, give any background on in their resume, or is it more when they make it to the interview process, they can sort of detail what goes into that award and why it sets them apart from others? I would save that explanation for the interview process. And the resume is meant to be a, a condensed snapshot into the job seekers profile. It doesn't have to be expansive, but it does need to give the hiring authority a good general idea on the person's skills and abilities. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know that that would be a value added piece of text on a resume. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And what about keywords? I know not to get too into like, I know people always talk about keyword stuffing where you basically are looking at the job description, and just throwing in every single keyword and it doesn't even read coherently. It, it's pretty obvious when someone is trying to, almost like when you're in school and you're trying to hit a certain amount of words on your essay or something, it can be a little bit obvious. Um, so what's your advice there in terms of keywords, whether it's related to the job description, but then sometimes um, people advise you to use specific types of even like verbs, like action verbs, like things that are very like um, powerful, I guess. So what do you have any sort of advice on that? Or do you think that's getting too in the weeds? Ooh, okay. So it depends on what type of job you are going for. For private sector hiring, I don't believe that keyword stuffing is the way to go. You want to know what keywords are relevant to your niche and then, you know, use those because they're going to be like common words. So, for example, if you're an analyst, then you would put words related to being an analyst or software, things like that. And those should already be on your resume just because of what you would be doing day to day. However, for people who are going through USA jobs to go into government work, that is a whole different animal. <laughs> and in that case, you might be looking at stuffing your resume with keywords to make it through the USA jobs algorithm to get the position. So if you're looking at both private sector and federal employment opportunities, you would probably need to have two different resumes because the one that you use to apply for a federal position will be stuffed with keywords. And that one's probably going to be pretty long, much longer than you would want to send to a private sector hiring authority. And action verbs are awesome. Highly recommend them. Um, the language that you use in your resume is one of the ways that you can make yourself stand out. And it also can really convey your personality. So when you use strong action verbs on paper, you're going to come through as a more energetic person. It's like there's some oomph to your resume. Um, it's not so passive. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it shows that you're um, someone who I think takes charge a little bit more. Like it really shows that you take the initiative. Um, so yeah, being mindful of the way that things are phrased. And I'm I mean, there are so many resources out there about like how to basically word your resume to show that you've made that impact. And then just to go back to the larger conversation here is how you're showing that you have added value. I mean, the words that you choose actually do make a really big difference. I do like the advice that you gave about having two different versions, depending on if you're applying for private sector or public sector. Um, question for you, though, about having different versions of your resume. Do you generally recommend that candidates significantly tailor their resume for positions that they're applying for? Because I know that's not always possible depending on the volume of jobs you're applying for. I think it depends on the candidate. There's no one size fits all answer because not all jobs are created equal. If you're going after, um, let's say you're looking to make a career change or career shift, then you would definitely have to tailor your resume for the position that you're applying for if your past experience isn't obviously relevant for the job. Mm -hmm. So in that case, yes, you need to tailor your resume. If you're looking to make an 
upward jump in positions, then you might need to create a more um, leadership focused resume for applying for like say a management role, whereas an individual contributor role would be focused more on your your accomplishments as an employee and less on how you've added value through developing others. Now, it just depends on the position. If you are, let's say, an electronics technician and you're applying for different roles in the electronics sphere, you might only need one resume. Yeah, and I'm sure everyone listening hopes that they're one of the candidates that only needs one resume. <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> but it's not it shouldn't be too time consuming to tailor it if you're using your evals and your previous resume and evaluations from your current employers because if you have any sort of eval system then usually you'll have bullets already to pull from that highlight your administrative or technical or management experience so mm -hmm. it's all in how you use what you have well, I know you mentioned earlier just about how the resume, it's really just intended to be a snapshot. So yes, of course, you wanted to show how you added value, but in a very succinct manner. Um, one of the things that I have seen a lot about is using a cover letter to talk about your value. But I don't know if that's something that you see very often, or do you even advise that candidates have one that's like ready to go? As a technical recruiter, with Orion, I don't use a cover letter when I'm submitting a resume. However, there are some employers who do highly value the cover letter and they want to see a tailored cover letter for each position. So if you're applying directly to a company, I would probably advise you to write one if you're applying on your own. But if you're going through a recruiter like me or like someone at Orion, then you probably don't need that because we're going to be your cover letter and we're going to represent you directly. So yeah. if you want to work with a recruiter, you probably don't need one. It's interesting. I wonder if the cover letter will become a casualty of the labor market because if you think about it, everyone's just trying to get the best talent and kind of remove some of the barriers that would prevent them from doing so. So if you know, if employer A requires a cover letter and employer B does not, then maybe a candidate's more likely to apply for, you know, employer B because they don't want to have to take the time to write the cover letter. That doesn't make them, um, and you know, a less worthy candidate or someone who's lazy or anything. But I mean, it's a cover letter. That's kind of a, it's an effort. So if it sets that apart from employer A, then like I said, just with the way the labor market is right now, I wonder if, if the cover letter will be a casualty of that. People are going to take the path of least resistance, and the more barriers you add to your hiring process, the fewer candidates you will have apply. Mm -hmm, definitely. So, you know, just going back to the whole purpose, what we're here to talk about, adding value and um, how to convey that value that you've added for an employer. Do you find that um, military candidates specifically have a more difficult time selling themselves during an interview process because of the fact that the military is very team oriented, they don't want to come across arrogant. Is that anything that you have seen in the past with your experience as a recruiter? And then what are some tips that people can sell themselves without coming across as being arrogant? It is. Unfortunately, 
I do speak with a lot of veterans who have a hard time bragging about themselves. And but that's not exclusive to veterans. It's something that I think a lot of people struggle with. It's hard to talk yourself up. Um, sometimes it can feel like you're being arrogant, but in reality, it, you're there to sell yourself. You're there to highlight your accomplishments. So I would say shift your mindset to that one and don't look at it like you're bragging. Well, you are bragging. You're supposed to be. It's an interview. It's acceptable bragging. You want to do that. Um, interview prep and practice, I can't stress that enough. Um, interviewing is a skill. It's not something that people are just born inherently great at. Um, there's very, very few people that are just naturally good at interviewing for positions because it is kind of stressful, especially if it's a job that you want. Um, it's almost like a date. <laughs> it's kind mm -hmm. of how social skills are a skill. Um, so practice, preparation, know yourself, know your market value, and know your skills, and have a few points prepared on um, things that you've done, like your successes. Have your brag list and your I love me binder and your repertoire of awesome things that you've done that you can talk about with an employer. And it's okay to brag on yourself in an interview. That's what you're there to do. And from going to hiring conferences, working with so many veterans, one of the common reasons that I hear candidates not moving forward in an interview process from the hiring managers is that they weren't able to sell themselves well. So it is part of the skill that you need to practice and prep for. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that comes to mind when we are talking about, because I know you said that it's not just specific to military candidates, which yes, I'm sure that's completely true. Um, I think where I've heard employers say specifically for military candidates because military so veterans or transitioning service members usually put a lot of value on teamwork. And so they might in an interview say, and we did this and we did that, we accomplished this um, instead of kind of taking ownership for that because they don't want to take responsibility for something that the team did. And so that's completely understandable and just something to keep in mind, I think, when you are in the interview process to, like you said, make it about you. It is about you. Yep, I get it. Being in the Navy, it was the one team, one fight mentality. But in the interview, you're the only one in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just you and the company. Yes. So I think when when we talk about selling ourselves and not coming across as arrogant, one of the good practices that would be would be to come up with your elevator pitch. And that's something that I know they talk about a lot in sales interviews. Um, but maybe people that are interviewing for a technical role or something else might not even think about an elevator pitch. So do you think that that's something that all candidates should have, regardless of the type of job that they're interviewing for? And then what are some good components that as they think about how they can craft this pitch to help them succeed in an interview, what should it include? So first of all, everybody should have an elevator pitch. It should be about two minutes in length and it should answer four questions. It should answer who you are, what you do, why you're there, and what you can do for them. And those are the four components of it. So make a list, write it out, write your elevator pitch, and just keep that in your back pocket for your interview introduction, for when you meet somebody at the bar and you're making a networking connection, like work on your elevator pitch and have it in your back pocket. 
And I think practicing it because you don't want it to come across as though you are recalling it from memory. You want it to seem more natural. So it sort of goes back to that social skills that you mentioned. You want it to come across as conversational to where, you know, we talk about tailoring your resume and your cover letter. Well, you might need to tailor your elevator pitch. And in fact, you most likely will need to. So you want it to come across as natural, not like you're trying to remember what some of those components are. Definitely. It shouldn't seem forced or like a script. It And it should be true. Like it should be something that's going to come easy to you, not um, some hard to remember soliloquy about your accomplishments. Like it, mm-hmm. it should fit you, right? So you said two minutes, about roughly two minutes in length. About rough, about two minutes. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to talk their ear off. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> is there anything that you think is seen as like a red flag in this, just kind of given this conversation, um, when candidates are trying to sell themselves in an interview, like what should they definitely not do or what would come across as a red flag to a recruiter or hiring manager in this context? Um, that's a good question. It also kind of depends on the context of the interview and who the people are, because things that will be a red flag to one person would be fine with someone else and what kind of job you're interviewing for. So it's difficult to give a blanket answer to that question, but um, if you don't seem sincere, that would be a red flag. Yeah. Sincerity is important. Um, Honestly, eye contact is very important, not being able to make eye contact. When you're speaking to someone, especially for the first time, <laughs> that can sour first impression. Um, you know, the energy that you bring is important, I would say. So just be mindful of the energy that you're bringing to the conversation. Mm-hmm. I like what you said earlier about interviewing not being something that comes natural for a lot of people because or for anyone, really, it's something that you need to practice. I guess there are people who are more outgoing that um, would maybe perform better in an interview, even if they weren't prepared. So maybe it does come a little bit more naturally for them. But for most people, it is something that you need to prepare for and make sure that you know your stuff. And that is, you said, to be sincere. I think that that helps is when you have practiced and you know what you're going to say. A lot of times, when people are nervous, they become a little bit more closed off too. So that even goes back to your comment about the energy. It's uh, if you're if you're interviewing somebody who is kind of putting off this weird energy that you're not sure if they're nervous or just low energy, and you can't figure out like where it's coming from. That's probably not a person you want to hire. No, probably not. Your interview is like your that's like your one shot to be your best, brightest, most positive self. And so when people seem down or like they're not excited to be there, then that's that can be a red flag. They don't Mm -hmm. seem like they're happy to be engaging with you. And communication is an art form on all levels, whether it's for an interview or public speaking. An interview is essentially another form of public speaking, but people like Dale Carnegie have written whole 300 page books about it. That tells you that it's not something that people are just instantly good at. Very Mm -hmm. few people are born good public speakers and you see the professional coaches and professional interview coaches. They didn't just wake up like that either. 
they've been working on perfecting a craft for years. So if you put some time into it and you invest in yourself in that way, it'll pay dividends on the back end. It is kind of a nerve wracking situation for everyone anyway, because there's this power imbalance. You have something that they can offer you. And so you're trying to go in there and prove yourself and again, really show your value and what you've done in the past that makes you a good fit for that role. So I think to summarize this is just, you know, when you're thinking about how can you clearly show your value, whether it's on your resume or in an interview, the prep that you can do ahead of time is making sure that you have some sort of catalog. I think you called it your I love me binder, which I love. I've never heard that before. But basically where you outline, you know, how did you define success in your previous role? What were some of those things that you could um, anecdotes or different things that you could pull from your memory that you would be able to tell in an interview that really show what success looked like and how you achieved that. Um, and then also quantifying that success. If you can come up with numbers, time saved, anything like that, that's going to really show them, you know, no kidding, here's what I did. Awards are always great. They're even better in the interview process when you can actually explain what they are. Maybe there's some great award you received in the military that someone saw on your resume, they had no idea what it meant, but you're able to tell them why it was a big deal and how that sets you apart. And then also the keywords are big, especially if you are applying to jobs on your own to help you beat those resume bots, which we all know a lot about at this point in time. So yes. <laughs> yes. So Amy, is there anything else that you want to close with or do you think we covered it? I think we covered it. My advice to all of the job seekers out there would be to know where you've been impactful and know your worth and bring your self-confidence to the interview and prepare, 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 prepare. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond. So make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.